Welcome to Crypto Voices. Here we bring source commentary off the written page. Research and opinions from experts and enthusiasts covering the diverse trends in blockchain tech, decentralization, entrepreneurship, cryptography, and freedom. This episode is market and political commentary, exploring themes such as blockchain use cases and adoption, community consensus and governance, media perception, economic theory, and competition among protocols, products, and services. Governance in Blockchain Technologies and Social Contract Theories Part 1 By Vessel Reyers, Fiacra Obrolkan, and Paul Haynes 21st of December, 2016 The price of Bitcoin, at the time of writing, was $826, and the price of Ether was $7.70. This paper was published in the Ledger Journal. Abstract. This paper is placed in the context of a growing number of social and political critiques of blockchain technologies. We focus on the supposed potential of blockchain technologies to transform political institutions that are central to contemporary human societies, such as money, property rights regimes, and systems of democratic governance. Our aim is to examine the way blockchain technologies can bring about and justify new models of governance. To do so, we draw on the philosophical works of Hobbes, Rousseau, and Rawls, analyzing blockchain governance in terms of contrasting social contract theories. We begin by comparing the justifications of blockchain governance offered by members of the blockchain developers community with the justifications of governance presented within social contract theories. We then examine the extent to which the model of governance offered by blockchain technologies reflects key governance themes and assumptions located within social contract theories, focusing on the notions of sovereignty, the initial situation, decentralization, and distributive justice. 1. Introduction the blockchain, the technological innovation underpinning the familiar cryptocurrency Bitcoin, is increasingly the topic of academic and public debate. In this paper, we aim to examine the ways in which blockchain technologies can produce models of governance and how these models of governance are justified. We do so by exploring similarities between core design features of the blockchain the main ideas about governance that persist in the blockchain community, and essential aspects of prominent social contract theories. We do not intend to construct a conclusive comparison between models of government offered by social contract theories and blockchain technologies, but rather to identify points of convergence and divergence that enable us to indicate points of departure for political critiques of the technology. Blockchain technology, first applied in the design of Bitcoin in 2008, emerged from a movement of anarchists, computer scientists, and crypto enthusiasts who saw the potential of the technology as a breakthrough in the long-awaited realization of an old cypherpunk dream of money that is free from the control of the state and other third parties, such as commercial banks. However, Blockchains offer technological possibilities far beyond new ways of issuing money, 
They also offer scope for rethinking political organization, including enabling novel ways of creating, managing, and maintaining systems of voting rights, property rights, and other legal agreements. We refer to the process by which blockchains enable such systems as blockchain governance, which is constitutive of a broader political theme termed blockchain government. Our paper contributes to a growing body of political and sociological reflections on blockchain technologies in which the design and application of its technology is linked to ideas of political organization. Kostakis and Jotitsis argue that Bitcoin, as a piece of software, is imbued with ideas drawn from a certain political framework. Such a political framework, Barton argues, challenges the instrumentalist idea of technical neutrality of Bitcoin, a claim he supports with ethnographic findings indicating biases present in the design of the technology itself. Columbia is more explicit stating that networks built on the blockchain represent a political framework that is profoundly anti-democratic and serves a neoliberal agenda. In addition, some scholars specifically focus on philosophical ideas of political organization that can be traced in the technological design of the blockchain. For instance, DuPont argues that cryptographic code can stand in for humans and that the blockchain can be regarded as a powerful ordering machine in the modern control society. Linking Bitcoin to political philosophy, Kavanaugh and Missioni draw the connection between the blockchain and the Leviathan, as conceptualized in the work of Thomas Hobbes, as the enforcer of the social contract. More specifically, DuPont and Maurer argue that the blockchain conjoins two of the central legal devices of modernity, the ledger and the contract. Our paper aims at contributing to these philosophical debates by exploring philosophical ideas common to both the blockchain and classical social contract theories. We base our arguments on the social contract theories of Hobbes, Rousseau, and Rawls and on central texts produced by, and widely circulated within, the blockchain developer community. Notably, we focus on writings about the Ethereum platform. Ethereum is a nonprofit organization with the key objective stipulated as promotion of developments of new technologies and applications, especially in the fields of new, open, and decentralized software architectures. Its character, as a platform for the advocacy and development of blockchain applications that tries to engage the wider community of developers, users, and enthusiasts, makes it a valuable source for investigating how principles of political organization are discussed in the context of blockchain technologies. As in any community, proponents of blockchain technology express a diversity of views representing a variety of perspectives. However, the values that unite the Ethereum community can be drawn from a number of its key texts. For our case study, these include white and yellow papers from Buterin and Wood, and communications from key individuals, organizations, and other members of the Ethereum community, including interviews, articles, mission statements, wiki, blog, and forum postings. Our inquiry is guided by two distinct research objectives. 
Firstly, we investigate the extent to which justifications of blockchain governance offered by the Ethereum community reflect justifications of governance offered by social contract theories. Secondly, we investigate the extent to which the model of governance offered by blockchain technologies reflects the models of governance offered by prominent versions of social contract theory. We start by outlining the principles of governance applied in the blockchain focusing on two of its key features, its nature as a public ledger and its capacity to decentralize the enforcement of contracts. We then compare justifications offered for blockchain governance with justifications for governance offered by the social contract theories of Hobbes, Rousseau, and Rawls. Finally, we trace similarities between the models of governance offered by these theories and the model of governance enabled by blockchain technologies. 2. How Blockchain Technologies Can Shape Governance We start our investigation by exploring the way blockchain technologies are able to configure specific forms of political organization. In order to do so, we focus on a paradigmatic instance of a software project utilizing blockchain technology, Ethereum. Ethereum was chosen as a case study because it matches a number of relevant criteria, including its technological scope and the engagement with political ideas by its community of practitioners. It aims at implementing the paradigm of the blockchain, coupled with cryptographically secured transactions, in a generalized manner. This suggests that it attempts to generate a software standard, like an email protocol, for any kind of decentralized blockchain application, which could range from another cryptocurrency to applications for managing smart contracts like blockchain-instigated civil marriage contract, property contracts, and financial instruments. The blockchain can be described as a public record of time-stamped transactions that is reinforced by the computational efforts of the decentralized network of miners people controlling computational nodes that are validating transactions. This public record is commonly referred to as the universal or public ledger. Core features of blockchain design that are relevant for our analysis are 1. Its nature as a digital public ledger through which people contract with one another and 2. Its decentralized enforcement of validated transactions or contracts by means of computational scrutiny. Any blockchain consists of time-stamped blocks, which are collections of the validated transactions in the system within a certain time frame, every 10 minutes in the case of Bitcoin. All transactions made within a blockchain are available to public inquiry, from the beginning of time, when the first block was time-stamped, until the current moment. In theory, at least, this means that all the entities interacting with a certain blockchain application can own a copy of the public blockchain and control the validity of new transactions. Thus, so-called smart contracts in the given blockchain can be publicly validated and can be enforced by a decentralized network of nodes, which can, in theory, include all the users of the blockchain. The objects that are transacted through a blockchain need not be quantities of money, as is the case with Bitcoin, 
but can also be texts or certain rule-based agreements. Aspects of governance, such as property rights regimes, insurance contracts, and even so-called decentralized autonomous organizations, or DAOs, organizations such as companies or government institutions that are managed by means of decentralized blockchain-based interactions, can be reorganized and managed through blockchain technologies. Property rights can, for instance, be organized on a blockchain in the context of the Internet of Things, or IoT. In this context, physical devices that are connected to the Internet would require identification of their owner in order to be used, with the ownership rights of each specific device stored on a blockchain. This is an important innovation because, as DuPont and Maurer argue, blockchain technologies differ from traditional social systems that validate, maintain, and enforce contracts between people, for example, accountancy and legal systems, because cryptocurrencies tend to build social and functional properties within the system. In other words, where lawyers and judges are needed to enforce legal regulations and notaries are needed to validate certain legally binding contracts, the blockchain allows for the validation of smart contracts and their enforcement in its own right without the necessity for arbitrating third parties. Because of these features, developers of the Ethereum platform argue that the blockchain can function as a legal framework able to serve as the basis for online interactions of any kind, claiming that Ethereum is a new kind of law. This implies that in contrast with conventional contract laws, which are necessarily coupled with their human validators and enforcers, Blockchain technologies are capable of establishing and maintaining forms of political organization that are, at least in the virtual realm, self-sustaining. As DuPont and Maurer argue, the public ledger renders social interactions that are recorded on the ledger visible to everyone in the system, both human and artificial agents in the case of the Ethereum ledger, which consequently renders them auditable. Moreover, the decentralized enforcement of smart contracts dematerializes, or rather depersonalizes, the auditing authority. It eradicates the need for human arbitrators, such as notaries or accountants. To understand how blockchain technologies enforce smart contracts, as opposed to how traditional contracts are enforced, we need to clarify both terms. Traditional contracts can be described as textually expressed voluntary agreements between two or more contracting parties that require human arbitration to be validated, audited, and enforced. A smart contract is defined by Buterin as a mechanism involving digital assets and two or more parties where some or all of the parties put assets in and assets are automatically redistributed among those parties according to a formula based on certain data that is not known at the time the contract is initiated. Thus, on the one hand, we can say that clauses sanctioned by two parties in conventional contracts are textually defined and do not directly bind the contracting parties because a third arbitrating human party is necessary to ensure the validity and enforcement of the contract. 
On the other hand, a smart contract implies that all the contractual clauses are machine-readable and can be made binding by means of computational scrutiny, without human interference. As DuPont and Maurer put it, the smart contract replaces the difficult social and psychological work of contracting with self-executing code. We would slightly nuance this claim by stating that a significant part of the work of contracting remains embedded in social interactions, namely the act of consenting to a specific contractual reality. The aspects that are delegated to the technology are the validation, storing, and enforcement of the contractual clauses. The characteristics of blockchain technologies, as described earlier, seem to support the claim that they could, in many circumstances, mimic institutional processes that enable society governance, such as currency systems, as Bitcoin demonstrates, property regimes, and even democratic voting processes. Whether such institutional processes on the blockchain can be part of a social contract, similar to the social contract as understood in the philosophical tradition, remains, however, an open question. In the following section, we explore the extent to which the social contract of blockchain governance reflects aspects of the social contract that structures the basis of governance as theorized by some of the most prominent thinkers in the philosophical tradition. Before we proceed with this inquiry, we need to clarify two important issues. First of all, we need to clarify the meaning of social contract vis-a-vis -vis the notions of contract and smart contract discussed earlier. In philosophical writings, the concept of the social contract is used in two distinct traditions. One, identified by Skirm, as focusing on what sort of contract rational decision-makers would agree to in a pre-existing state of nature, and another that aims to explain how the implicit social contract that creates society has evolved and may continue to evolve in the future. In this paper, we limit our focus to an understanding of the social contract as it is used within the first of these traditions, i.e., conceptualizing the social contract as a method for justifying political principles by appeal to an agreement made in an initial situation by people who are, broadly speaking, presupposed to be equal, rational, and autonomous. This notion of the social contract is one of the most significant contributions of Western liberal political philosophy. Its lineage can be traced back to Thomas Hobbes, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, and John Rawls. We acknowledge that by focusing on these three thinkers, our account of the social contract tradition will remain incomplete, not least because it excludes other notable contributors, for example Locke, Gauthier, Schmidt. Nevertheless, we argue that within the scope of this paper, the three thinkers selected afford a discussion of the most significant aspects of social contract theories. Social contract thinkers were attempting to justify government, arguing that governments were legitimate if they were deemed to be the creations of autonomous individuals contracting together. 
Governments are, in this way, conceptualized as systems designed to protect certain central aspects of human existence. Life for Hobbes, a substantive conception of liberty for Rousseau, and justice as fairness for Rawls. The perception that governments provide such protections is considered sufficient to legitimize the loss of certain rights and the allocation of power to specific supra-individual structures, such as constitutional monarchies or parliamentary democracies. In the sense that social contract theories do not merely explain why people agree to form a government to inaugurate certain political principles, but also stipulate what these principles ideally are, they therefore offer certain abstract models of governance. The models of governance presented by social contract theories can be obtained by looking at how they postulate the process through which people collectively contracting are able to overcome the hypothetical initial situation. Additionally, we need to explain why we believe a discussion of social contract theories could advance our understanding of how blockchain technologies configure forms of governance. In the context of some of the core writings on blockchain technologies, this can be explained with reference to the myriad occasions on which the social contract is mentioned. See Buterin, Chuen, and Wood. In these writings, the social contract is commonly conceptualized as the rule-based, distributed system containing the public ledger on which smart contracts are based. The crucial difference between smart contracts and the social contract in these writings is therefore that smart contracts are protocols enforcing specific contractual agreements that are built on top of and conditioned by the underlying system, such as Ethereum, which in its entirety can be referred to as the social contract. The social contract for blockchain technologies can thus be understood as the underlying model for the governance of blockchain-based interactions. However, it is not at all self-evident to claim that the notion of a social contract as used in the context of blockchain governance can be said to reflect, or possibly even embody, aspects of the models of governance contained in philosophical social contract theories. To support this claim, we assert, as Columbia argues, that technologies such as the blockchain are not neutral, but might be deeply political. In philosophy, scholars such as Eide and Winner have shown that technologies can embody normative and political ideas. Georg Simmel offers a forceful example of an analysis based on this assumption in his work, The Philosophy of Money. Simmel argues that the empirical realizations of money, coins, credit, move towards a conceptual ideal of pure money, which is the expression and embodiments of his conceptual construct of exchange as a condition of economic value. Even though the conceptual idea of pure money is unattainable in empirical reality, it functions as an actual force that guides the design of our monetary system. Similarly, we could argue that even though the abstract models of governance offered by social contract theories are postulated as hypothetical ideals, they also inform real-world political constructs. As such, 
Conventional political constructs, such as constitutions, in many ways reflect aspects of ideal models of governance explicated by social contract theories. Expanding on this idea suggests that technologies such as the blockchain might similarly reflect aspects of social contract theories, a view we will examine in the following sections. 3. The Initial Situation and Justification of Blockchain Governance in this section, we examine the extent to which the justification for governance enabled by blockchain technologies, blockchain governance, reflects one or more of the accounts of justification offered by social contract theories. The social contract theories of Hobbes and Rousseau aim to justify the existence of a legitimate government by postulating a conceptual state of nature, or initial situation, populated by somewhat isolated individuals of roughly equal power and capacity. Rawls constructs a hypothetical original position of equality, which corresponds to the state of nature, but puts the contracting individual behind a conceptual veil of ignorance. The initial situation serves as a rationale for such isolated individuals to agree to collectively relinquish some of their individual rights for the sake of forming a supra-individual structure of government. For Hobbes, a core feature of the state of nature is that it results in a high level of uncertainty for its inhabitants, implying that individuals are unable to reach agreement on certain issues because they cannot trust that all parties involved will honor the agreement. This leads to the situation described by Chung as a constant potential for a war of every man against every man. A state of affairs undesirable for the individuals living in this situation, which provides them with the justification to form a government. Rousseau's social contract theory is based on a notion of initial situation that is significantly different from that of Hobbes. Rousseau viewed the state of nature the pre-civilized state of human society without government, as a peaceful, idyllic situation. It is only with the rise of institutions such as private property and money that an undesirable state of affairs arises. The institutions created by people have corrupted society and have instantiated unjust forms of inequality between people. This institutional reality is what serves as Rousseau's initial situation, which should be overcome by means of a specific social contract. In a similar vein, Rawls's original position is meant to serve as a rationale for the contracting individuals to engage in a social contract able to promote justice as fairness for all its contracting parties. Behind the veil of ignorance, Contracting parties are unaware of their own position, as defined by gender, race, class, etc., vis-à-vis -vis the positions of the other contracting parties. Because an individual is placed behind the conceptual veil of ignorance, she is uncertain about her eventual position once the social contract is in place. This provides for the rationale and the justification for the individual to agree to a social contract that is as fair as possible for all contracting parties.
Before addressing the parallels, we need to acknowledge that the philosophical underpinning of blockchain governance differs from that of the social contract tradition by being strongly aligned to anarchist and libertarian theories of social order, with many thinkers within this tradition, such as Nozick and Proudhon, argue strongly against the notion of a social contract. Nevertheless, we will indicate below that some essential aspects of the justification for blockchain governance show significant similarities with justifications offered by social contract theories. It should be noted that it is impossible to refer to single scholars or single works in order to capture the established justification of blockchain governance. As such, any absolute claim of defining the blockchain ideology can be greeted with skepticism. However, we contend that by studying the core texts that support its most prominent instantiations, as exemplified by Ethereum in our approach, we can at least construct a coherent account of the justification offered for blockchain governance. To what extent can we say that justifications of blockchain governance reflect aspects of the types of justification for governance as offered by Hobbes, Rousseau, and Rawls? The Ethereum community provides illuminating justifications of the two core features of the blockchain we discussed earlier, of the public ledger and the decentralized system of enforcement of transactions. In the Ethereum white paper, it is argued that these two features solve two important political enigmas of people corrupting systems by means of fraud and counterfeiting and the freeing of human beings from central political powers such as states and banks. At face value, this outlook ties in with anarchist and libertarian critiques of authority. Such critiques claim that centralized powers like states and banks are easily corrupted and that groups of individuals are able to organize themselves in sophisticated ways in the absence of third-party institutions. As an alternative form of governance, proponents claim that through blockchain technologies, autonomous individuals are capable of creating a self-governing community, or multiple communities, with enforceable rules of interaction without the requirement of any centralized hierarchical power structures. In spite of these ideological tensions, some striking similarities between the justification of blockchain governance and the justification of governance offered by social contract theories can be observed. First of all, similar to the initial situation as conceptualized by Rousseau, blockchain governance is justified against the idea of an initial pre-blockchain society. Royo argues that events such as the blockade of payments to WikiLeaks by the U.S. government and major payment companies in 2010 have been important enablers of the theme he identifies as the cypherpunk imagination, justifying the use of Bitcoin as an alternative payment system. As such, blockchain governance is justified by reference to an idealized initial undesirable situation that is defined by the contemporary institutional reality of centralized institutions which are subject to human arbitration. Moreover, just as Rawls's original position can be used as a justification of net neutrality, as Shader and Yemeni argue, 
blockchain governance can be justified with reference to a notion of neutrality. In this regard, the technology itself functions as a veil of ignorance in that it is unable to discriminate between its users in contrast to conventional institutions. However, the justification of blockchain governance differs significantly from the justifications offered by Rousseau and Rawls in two ways. Firstly, even though people interacting through blockchain applications could theoretically operate through a veil of ignorance, in the sense that they could enjoy a high level of pseudonymity and the technology would be structurally incapable of discriminating against them on the basis of who they are, power is still divided unequally. This is the case because, as the definition of the smart contract reveals, relations between contracting parties are defined in terms of digital assets. For instance, in the form of a bet, with person A betting X amount of bitcoins and person B Y amount on the same predicted outcome of an event. Therefore, a situation of neutrality, as defined by Rawls's original position, would be unattainable in the blockchain because power relations are always already predefined in the public ledger. Secondly, the conception of human nature guiding Rousseau's justification for the social contract differs strongly with the conception of human nature offered for the justification of blockchain governance. Rousseau views human society as naturally peaceful and friendly, but argues that it has become corrupted by civilization. The blockchain community, in contrast, envisions human nature, and especially the notion of trust in humans, as the corrupting factors in contemporary civilizations. As O'Dwyer argues, the claim is made that trust in humans is undesirable and should be made redundant by replacing it with a different kind of trust, namely, the trust in the code. These aspects of the justification of blockchain governance lead us to consider the justification made by Hobbes for the social contract. As Kavanaugh and Missioni argue, a conceptual situation similar to the circumstances described by Hobbes is outlined by Nakamoto in his white paper on Bitcoin, framing the issue as a problem of costs and payment uncertainties between merchants and customers which causes distrust, understood as distrust between humans. Nakamoto's account is similar to the one offered by Hobbes. Both accounts envision the potential for corrupt behavior in a situation of uncertainty. This presupposition is consistent with the negative view of human nature expressed by Hobbes, which accepts that humans will engage in corrupt behavior if it serves their self-interest. A similar assumption seems to underlie the rationale for replacing trust in potentially corrupt humans by the incorruptible code of the blockchain. Additionally, as Rawls and Chung argue, the initial situation described by Hobbes in the context of his mechanical worldview can be understood as a game-theoretical problem. The equilibrium of a war of every man against every man can be expressed in game-theoretical terms, just as its solution, which is the social contract as described by Hobbes. Similarly, both the initial situation, 
the pre-blockchain world, and blockchain governance are commonly grounded in a game-theoretical understanding of the world. As Buterin argues, the same game theory that is the reason that you're still alive is also the reason why the Bitcoin blockchain is still alive. Eventually, the social contract as incorporated in Ethereum is seen as a game-theoretical mechanism that underlies all social interactions and only needs to be facilitated by blockchain technologies. This assumed that game theory can thus correctly predict human behavior as it really is, and that this knowledge can be used to engineer social interaction in a virtual environment that functions like a game environment. Our initial conclusions support the view that the justification offered for blockchain governance to a certain extent resembles justification accounts offered by social contract theories. It is most similar to the justification of the social contract presented by Hobbes in that it is based on a rather negative assessment of human nature, being self-interested and potentially corrupt, and tends to reduce social interactions to game-theoretical problems. In contrast, the initial situation it presents resembles the scheme presented by Rousseau, in that undesirable pre-blockchain society is defined by our institutional reality rather than by a state of nature lacking any form of government. Finally, we argue that blockchain governance seems to approximate Rawls's original position, although it makes this position unattainable by rendering inequality between contracting parties a structural feature of the technology. Thanks for listening to this audio reproduction of the essay, Governance in Blockchain Technologies and Social Contract Theories, Part 1, by Vessel Reyers, Fiacra Obrolkan, and Paul Haynes, available in the Ledger Journal. <laughs>